0: Welcome friends, my name is Charles Rizak, and I will be your host. In this podcast, we talk about all things health, wealth, and personal growth. Now let's fuel your mind. This is the CR3 experience. Chapter 1, The Locker. I grew up down south home of the big chicken, where people talk slow, and time seemed to move a little slower. Getting off the bus in eighth grade, I was scared shitless. I wasn't like these other kids. I haven't even got my first armpit hair yet. I was wearing some old navy carpenter jeans, and everybody else was wearing the coolest and latest. I was the misfit. Never had a girlfriend, never dry humped. My mom and dad would not even let me watch R-rated movies. I had my shirt tucked in, for Christ's sakes. I always spoke my mind. I wasn't afraid to stand up for what was right. Never been into a fight, but that day, things would turn out to be much different than I thought when I stepped off that bus. Back in 2000, there wasn't security cameras everywhere. Sure, there were vending machines serving carbonated beverages filled with sugar, but nobody really cared about bullying. Bullying back then was just a way of life. Suck it up, they'd say. Suck it up. Man up. It's not a big deal. I must have really pissed somebody off because the moment I walked into the locker room, I had this uncertain feeling. You know that feeling when your hands start getting sweaty and your head starts spinning fastly? That was the exact moment I felt when I sat down to the toilet to drop a load. I saw four pairs of shoes and Outside, and I heard voices, and the voices said, When he gets out, he's fucked. As I opened the door, I immediately felt a fist to my face. Blood, gushing through my nose. What was I supposed to do? I was 94 pounds, 5 foot tall. I'd never been in the fight before. All I did was stick up for somebody. I never deserved this. But maybe I did. Maybe this was the test, I thought to myself. Maybe this is what happens when people stand up for what they believe in. And I was ready for it. I was ready for what was going to happen next. As they moved closer to me and grabbed me by the shirt, they took my entire body and shoved me in a locker. Between my blood and tears, when I heard the loud click, I knew I was fucked. I was stuck in there. It was 5.45 at night. The school was empty. How was I supposed to get out? After about 45 minutes of screaming, I finally gave up, and just lay down, put my head against the locker, and thought, is this what my life is really like? Why is this happening to me? Why me? Why am I always the laugh of jokes? Why am I always the last kid picked for football, or baseball, or any team? Why don't these girls like me? What have I ever done wrong? A few minutes later, I heard a voice. It was an older guy. Wearing all green and blue. And he said, get out, son. Get out. Little did I know, it was a wrestling coach for the high school. He was there training the middle school kids for a new wrestling program they started. He looked me in the eyes and said, son, don't be embarrassed. You have two choices right now. Play the victim or be a victor. Which one do you want to be? As I used my shirt to wipe the blood off my face... I looked him right in the eyes and smiled. I said to him, I'll see you next season, coach. He looked back and said, I love the underdog. Never underestimate the underdog. Chapter two, the underdog. My favorite Rocky episode was probably episode one, where Rocky is really a nobody. He's living in some low-budget apartment Treading at some shitty gym, drinking egg yolks at five in the morning, and every day he struggles with not only trying to appease society and meet his goals, but also to appease himself. When I found myself a freshman in high school, five foot tall, weighing 95 pounds, soaking wet, I was thinking, what's next? I was officially known as the Locker Boy, the kid. They got locked in a locker. How would I revamp myself? How would I recreate myself? I was too small for the football team. So when I walked past the wrestling room and saw a bunch of warriors kicking ass, taking names, I knew I found my place. For me, physical contact was brand new. Growing up, all they ever played was golf and tennis. What the fuck did I know about wrestling? I wasn't a badass, I was a shrimp, I was 5 foot tall, 94 pounds soaking wet, what could I do? What value could I bring to the wrestling team? But little did I know, it wasn't about the dog and the fight, it was the size of the fight and the dog. And on the mat, it didn't matter how tall you were, how much you weighed, the color of your skin, all it mattered was, did you put in work? Did you do cardio? Did you practice your moves? How was your diet? How was your GPA? If you weren't getting C's or above, you weren't on the fucking mat. You were running laps. So this form of discipline really, really empowered me. And I loved it. I became addicted. I found myself in my room, shadow wrestling, jumping jacks, doing jump rope, 4am, chugging eggs. People thought I was crazy. And maybe I was, but maybe I wanted to prove to them that I was more than a locker boy. Freshman year, when I made varsity, I was 2 and 57. 2 and 57. Once again, in my eyes, I was a failure. But my coach told me and taught me something about failure that most people don't seem to understand. In wrestling, I'm much like life, failure is just a lesson. Failure is a way to learn, get better, adapt, pivot. That summer, I went to every wrestling camp possible, probably close to 40 matches, and decided I need to earn my spot on varsity. I need to earn that jacket. Sophomore year, I had a wrestle off, which is pretty much where you challenge anybody in any weight class to take their spot. I challenged the same assholes that put me in the locker. Not only did I destroy him physically, I teched him, which means I beat him by 15 points. Mentally, I destroyed him. A year ago, I was a kid he was stuffing in the locker, and now I was stuffing his face in the mat. It might seem gruesome, but to me, it was a first taste of success. The first time in my entire life that I knew, no matter who's against you, Being an underdog isn't a bad thing. Sometimes, being an underdog is the fuel you need in order to fuel that fucking fire. Chapter 3. This, insert bullshit, isn't for you. Going into my senior year of high school, I had a 2.0 and I had quit wrestling. I decided, with my bright idea, I should start acting. Junior and senior year, I memorized scripts memorized accents. I was hooked. I loved it. I did pretty good, but I knew academically there is no way I get into a four-year. Later on that semester, I had to sit down for a very uncomfortable conversation with my guidance counselor about where I go academically, what my next moves were, like this big heavy lady in a flower dress was the fortune teller of my entire future and an SAT Or determine my place in the world? It scared me shitless. When she told me, hey, the only options you really have is the military or a trade school, I was confused. What do you mean those are the only options I have? Isn't this America? Can I do whatever I want to do? I'll never forget the moment when I told her my idea of becoming a Navy SEAL or joining a four-year college, and she said directly to me, hey, this honestly isn't for you. You don't have the SAT scores to get into a four-year or even a two-year college, and physically, how could you become a Navy SEAL? Aren't Navy SEALs supposed to be tough? Are you tough? Discouraged, I walked away and closed the doors. Two weeks later, graduation, all my friends are celebrating where they're going. Their parents are bragging, oh, my son's going to this school on that scholarship. Me, I've applied nowhere. I had no idea what my next steps were. But I knew in order to get my mind right, I had to get back into my Rocky mentality. So it was back to the basics. Back to 4 a.m. chugging eggs. Running five miles, studying every single piece of book I could. I had to. I had no other option. I couldn't be living in my parents' house with no job. I couldn't not go to college. Isn't this the way? Wasn't that piece of paper my entrance into a new world? Every mile I ran and every page I read, I kept repeating that same phrase in my head This isn't for you. This isn't for you. And honestly, I was thankful. I think that's what drove me. That's what drove me to run to a community college and enroll in a basic level class. That's what drove me to become a better version of myself. If it wasn't for that doubt and being the underdog, I have no idea where I'd be at. I finally got my own apartment, had a part-time job, and enrolled part-time in a small community college down south. I was taking four classes and really struggling academically And then, shit hit the fan. Chapter 4, Drugs, Parties, and the Warehouse. Drinking till 2 a.m. every night was almost a normal thing during this time in my life. You'd party hard. You'd work hard. But the big turning point happened when I stopped going to class. I stopped going to work, and my credit cards were getting maxed out. What was I going to do? I've developed a problem, obviously, but I couldn't ask for help. I was supposed to be a grown man, living by myself, with my own responsibilities. I couldn't ask my parents for a handout. That just wasn't in my mind. There were some moments where I looked in the mirror, and I didn't even recognize myself. By this time, I was just dealing pot. I had a handful of 20s, and I thought I was the king of the world. I didn't have to answer to anybody. I had my own schedule. I had my own business. I had a demand for a product. And I was a guy in town that sold the stuff that everybody wanted. Life was great, but I wasn't doing good. And I knew it. I knew I had to find help. I knew I had a bigger purpose. And I knew if I didn't get my shit together, I'd end up in jail. And sure enough, that's what happened. During a drop-off on the way home at around 2 a.m., I saw blue and red lights in my rearview mirror, and at that moment, I knew shit had to change. I got booked. With Natty Light in my breath and dime bags under my seat, I knew shit had to change. I spent 48 hours in that jail cell. No sleep, no shower. I couldn't eat anything. I was so disappointed. What had happened to me? Why is my life going in this direction? I managed to get probation, which meant drug test every week. In a government job assigned by the court in a warehouse. I hated that job even more. I hated that I had no freedom. I had to move back home with a mom and dad, and half my warehouse money went towards paying rent. Responsibility, they said. You have to own up. And I did. I had to. I had no direction. I had maybe $10 to my name, a car with 180,000 miles on it, in no college. Was this my purpose? Lucky for me, I had a friend who was kind of going through the same thing. He told me in four months, he was shipping off to the Great Lakes in Chicago and joining the Navy. The Navy, I said, in my hometown, this was the only way out. Either join service or work at the farm. In my eyes, I needed discipline. I needed structure. So four months later, I was in Chicago. Chapter 5. Hey, shipmate. I honestly had no idea what to expect in boot camp. Make your bed? Check. Polish your boots? Check. Take a shower with 50 dudes? What? All this was new to me. I was so sheltered. Growing up down south, I was not used to different types of people different types of religion. I was a white guy. And now, as I realized, I was a minority. I was surrounded by people from everywhere in the United States, different countries, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. I loved it. It was interesting to learn about new things, new habits, new ways to do things. I could totally recreate myself. No one there knew me as the locker boy. From that time on, I decided I needed to be more disciplined. I had to wake up early, check. I had to be in formation, check. I had to eat shitty food and study notes, take tests. What was this? I was horrible at tests, but for some reason, in the Navy, I loved it. And I was good at it. I loved the mental challenge. I loved the physical challenge. I loved the way my mind was forming. My body was forming. The friendships I built ...was something I've never had before. I formed a brotherhood. It reminded me in 10th grade when I joined the Warriors... ...but now I had 60 Warriors all around me... ...from different backgrounds that went through different kinds of shit... ...that all wanted to change their lives. And I love being part of that. I love being part of the Navy ethos... ...honor, courage, and commitment. And I still live by those three words today. Twelve weeks later, I looked in the mirror... ...with boot camp graduation on the horizon... I didn't even recognize who I was. I looked happier. I had a different look in my eyes, a different grin. My body was different. My mind was different. I formed a callus. I had mental toughness I've never experienced before in my entire life. Little did I know, my RDC had a different plan. Two nights before graduation, he decided to crank up the heat. When you crank up the heat, The RDC would say, it's time to make it rain. He had an idea, like David Goggins would say, to try to break us down, to take our souls one last time before graduation. And I was ready for it. I wanted the pain. What else could happen? I've been through so much in my 20 years in life. I was ready for it. I was ready for the challenge. I was ready for the next step. So we cranked the heat up to 105 degrees and we did jumping jacks for an hour and a half. The entire time, although I was sweating and everybody was falling out of formation and throwing up, I loved it. I loved embracing the suck. I loved embracing the grind. I loved the entire process of transforming my mind during these times. And I had to. This was a brand new identity, a brand new me. And I had to live up to it. I had to own it. I had to stay disciplined. I had to stay focused. And When it became time to decide where we were going, My RDC looked at me and said, hey, shipmate, you're going to California. California, I thought in my mind. Fuck yeah. The land of surfing, chicks, and big-ass burritos. Let's do it. Little did I know, I got stationed in Lemoore. If you look at Lemoore anywhere on a map, most of you have never even heard of it. Well, let me tell you about Lemoore. It's the butt crack of California. I would not even consider L'Amour part of California. It's four hours away from the coast, and I was nowhere near Hot Chicks, nowhere near burritos, and nowhere near surf. But either way, I was excited to start this new chapter in my life. The last conversation we had, he grinned at me and smiled, looking at me directly in the eyes and said, Congrats. Now you're becoming a man. Chapter five Becoming a Man. Cow shit. The minute I stepped off the plane in Lemoore, California, I immediately smelled cow shit. Where was I? This looked nothing like California. I was surrounded by farms. I left Georgia to escape the rural life, to escape the farms, escape the cows, escape the farmers, and now I was back, back at stage one. Or so I thought, I was a new guy at town, and in my command, I was surrounded by people that were mechanics. I've never even changed my tire. How was I going to fit in? Once again, I find myself in a place of unfamiliarity. But I liked it. As a matter of fact, I loved it. I embraced the challenge. I embraced the suck. Sure, I had a learning curve. Sure, I had problems learning about engines. But lucky for me, I found a great mentor. A Filipino dude named Goose, who introduced me to Balut for the first time, which is a Filipino term for fertilized developing egg embryo that is boiled and eaten from the shell. It was delicious, and I had no idea that shit like this existed. I was a country boy, used to fried chicken and grits, and when the first time I tried this, it blew my mind. And I was excited, excited to try new foods, meet new people, travel to new countries, learn new stuff, learn new skills i was so naive to what was outside my hometown and in the navy race didn't matter religion didn't matter sex didn't matter if you like dudes or chicks it didn't matter what mattered was one thing getting the mission done and getting the mission done right the first time because if not people could die and as I turned wrenches and got better at my job, I learned attention to detail meant a lot more than just turning wrenches. And made attention to detail in everything in your life. Attention to detail on your personal health, your physical health, your mental health, in your uniform, and how you walked, talked, carried yourself. It all was coming big picture to me. I started to feel like a man. I started to feel like I had a purpose and I had much more belonging than I did back in Georgia. And I'm happy I escaped. I had to. With half my social circle back in Georgia, either getting locked up or overdosing, I knew I made the right choice. I knew I made the right decision to leave that hometown and try something different. I had to. I had no other option. Otherwise, that could have been me. Work was hard. 12 hours a day, turning a wrench, put a lot of strain on my body. On top of that, I was up at 4 a.m., jumping jacks, eggs, Running five miles again. I had a new purpose in life. It wasn't about me. Now, it was about service to my country. And I had to make my country proud. I enrolled in community college. Started doing Spanish lessons. Tried to play guitar. Failed. But I loved it. I loved growing. I loved challenging my mind. And fast forward two years. When I had the chance to move to California. San Diego. To work in helicopters. I took it. Fuck yeah, I thought to myself, finally, burritos, babes, surf, let's fly. Chapter 7, let's fly. Helicopters are kind of like vibrators. They shake a lot, they're small, they're fun with the right person, but damn, they're scary. And I was scared. This is a brand new platform. I was a jet guy. How the hell was I brand new to this new community, going to fit in. Once again, I had to re-identify my purpose. And my purpose was to serve my country, meet friends, become great at my new job. And I had to. I rented a small, shitty, one-bedroom apartment right on the beach. Now my 5 a.m. runs were chasing the sunrise with salt in my hair and in between my toes. I loved it. I was hooked. I was addicted to fitness, addicted to getting better at my job, addicted to studying, addicted to having fun, learning new things. And when the chance came to become the CFL, the command fitness leader, I took it and I ran with it. It was up to me. We all had to become better, faster, stronger, mentally and physically. It was me, the locker boy, with 300 people surrounding me, We had to make moves in unison, push-ups up and down at the same time, sit-ups until our stomachs hurt, runs until our quads hurt, until our minds hurt. We had to form that callus. On and off the boat, we had to be ready at all times for whatever came our way. I had all eyes on me, and that was fine. I liked it. I liked the challenge. I liked the pressure. I built up a callus. I built up the strength. I built up the integrity. I still had those three core values of honor, courage, and commitment. And everything I did, not only on the sand, but in the mech shop. By that time, I picked up E5. In the military, that's middle management, which means I had more responsibility with more pay. And that was great. But my biggest reward was molding minds. I saw the young me, 19 years old, lost, confused, not sure what direction to go into, from lots of kids that checked into my command. They came from all different walks of life. Rich kids, poor kids, white kids, black kids, gay kids, straight kids, it didn't matter. We were all part of the same team. We all had the same mission, the same mission to improve ourselves, on and off the mat, in and out of uniform, on and off the sand. We all had the same purpose. Our purpose was rim pack. It was a maritime exercise, off the coast of the Pacific, Hawaii, Pearl Harbor, almost every country's Navy was out there, and it was on us to show them how the U.S. did it. Quick side note, some of these recordings may sound off. I've been trying out some new equipment, so I thank you for listening. I thank you for being patient. I hope you pay more attention to the stories and what I've gone through than the sound quality. The quality will get better, but will the quality in your life get better? Will you learn from these lessons? The answer and question lies in your mind. Now let me ask you this. What's your purpose? Is it to serve your community, serve your work, or serve yourself? You need to find out what your purpose is. And the only way to do that is through trial and error. I want you to look fear in the eyes. I want you to ask yourself every single day, what is my purpose? And what am I doing to get there? Chapter 8, Purpose. After RIMPAC, we were stateside for a few months. We had a huge deployment coming up. Six months. Southern seas. We were going to Chile, Peru, Brazil, and after that, I was scheduled to get out. Me in a uniform would be no longer. I was going to college, and I was scared shitless. I was 28 years old, single, had very little money to my name. Most of my money, I was spending reinvesting to myself, taking college classes, putting money in stocks, deciding... How do I want my life to be? What do I want myself to be like in 10 years? And when my commanding officer gave me the opportunity to fly a helicopter in the sandbox in Nevada, I took it. I've never flown anything before. And now it was me, the locker boy, flying a helicopter. I got stick time, 45 minutes, 5,000 feet. It was awesome. And was I scared? Fuck yeah. But I learned to look fear in the eyes. Fear, to me, by now, was just an opportunity. How could I adjust? How could I adapt? How could I pivot? I thought I was ready for anything, but little did I know, life was throwing me a curveball. That day, I got a phone call that changed my entire life. She killed herself, said the commanding officer. She jumped. If you Google the Coronado Bridge, you'll see how beautiful the bridge is. You can see why people might want to walk up there and look around. Look at the city see what's going on, see the ocean. But I had a friend who jumped. She couldn't handle it. She jumped off the bridge. And I just found out that a friend, a person I trained, a person I knew the past five years had done it. She jumped off the bridge, ended her life. And to me, that was scary. On Friday, we were talking about her going to college. And by Monday, I found out she was gone. How was I supposed to deal with this? I've never lost anybody to suicide before. I was scared, shitless, and I had no idea how to overcome it. So what did I do? I ran. I ran and ran and ran until my legs were fucking numb. Until my mind was numb. When I was done, the sun was finally setting. I came to the conclusion that I had to have a larger purpose. I had to change the mind of sailors. I had to have the back of my shipmates, not only was my purpose to help them reach their fitness goals. I had to make sure this never happened again. And the only way I knew how to do this was to break myself down. Break myself down mentally, physically, and then rebuild. It was back to the drawing board for me. And for that, that meant I had to find an exit. It was time for me to leave. My military service was coming to an end. And it was time to enroll in undergrad. I was about to become the old man on campus. Old man blue. It was time for me to learn more about myself and about these habits that could help mold minds and mold the most important mind, mine. Because only when you change your own mind, you can help influence the minds of others. This next chapter is the most important chapter I took upon my exit of the Navy. Chapter 9, Old Man Blue. I felt old as fuck as I walked on campus. I was wearing my typical California swag board shorts, tank top, sandals. I was surrounded by a bunch of smart kids, rich kids, spoiled kids, so I thought. And I was the old guy. When I walked in calculus class, it was nothing but 20-year-olds. Once again, I was stuck in a very unfamiliar situation. How was I going to fit in? Did I make the right choice? In the Navy, it was cushion. I was an E5, up for E6. I had people underneath me. I managed people. And now, once again, I was a low man at the totem pole. I had to embrace being uncomfortable. I had to. It was my only option. I was a military man. All I knew the past eight years were a few simple things. Or simple things. So I thought I could get in really good shape. I could do push-ups, pull-ups. I could communicate. I could build teams. I could build a helicopter, I could shoot guns, but what else? What else could I do here? I didn't know calculus. So I had to build grit. I had to take notes. I studied a lot. I was on campus probably 12 to 15 hours my first two years during my undergrad. I had to embrace making whiteboards, embrace taking notes, embrace taking study guides, embrace asking questions. I asked every single question I thought of. I got laughed at in class. I was the old guy that couldn't answer a simple formula, but that was fine because I was used to it. I was ready for it. It wasn't until I joined the Entrepreneurship Club that I finally found a new purpose. I wanted to mold young minds. I was here for a purpose. I wanted to help create things. I met a bunch of veterans, and we were able to study together. We were able to really encapsulate what it took to transform from sailor to civilian. And college for me was new, and it was hard really hard that's what she said but i had to embrace the suck i had to mold my mind and when it came time to choose my major i chose finance for some reason the numbers just clicked maybe it was because my counselor in high school told me that not only would i never go to college but math wasn't for me so when i chose finance i laughed and smiled because i loved it and i was good at it i was good at building teams building spreadsheets Crunchy numbers, so once again, I joined another club, the Real Estate Society, worked on tons of projects, went to tons of construction sites, met people, learned stuff, met other veterans, learned more stuff. I missed traveling, a lot. I also missed culture, I missed trying new foods, meeting new people, I needed a vacation, but I was taking seven classes per semester, I couldn't leave, and plus, I was broke. All the money I had was going towards investments, investing in myself, investing in stocks, putting money away for real estate. My rent in San Diego cost way too much than I can afford, but I was in a good location. I was meeting good people, and when the chance came to study abroad with a price tag of five grand, I had to come up with money, and I had to come up with it quick. I did not want to max out credit cards like most students do, so I had three weeks come up with five grand. It was grind time. So what did I do? After classes and internships, I had a few hours left in the day. Every night for three weeks, I load up my truck with scooters. I had 45 to 50 scooters in my apartment every night that I clean, charge, put outside on the road by 5 a.m. I collected about $5 per scooter. That's close to 150 bucks per day. In between classes, I drive Uber. I drive Uber on the weekends, and three weeks later, I had $7,000. Money's not quick, they say, but what's quicker is you put a plan in the process. And the process with me began with preparation. I had to go to Hong Kong. I needed culture. I needed this experience. I haven't traveled in almost two years. I had to swallow my pride to get there. Hell, I had to swallow my pride lots of times, not only before the military, but during and after And looking back at Asia, it was one of the best times I've ever had. And now it was time for graduation. Now it was time for the next chapter of my life. Chapter 10, Graduation. It was time for graduation. I had a few internships during my undergrad in the real estate finance space. And although I was grateful for the opportunity, I knew that was not the career path for me. I loved talking. I hated being in a cubicle. And I hated inside how'd i find a place i ended up interviewing for a tech role in texas the california boy was going somewhere else where there were guns and badasses and new opportunity i was excited as a matter of fact i was stoked as we say in california this is a new chapter in my life i've never sold anything i sold myself i sold pot but i never sold tech before i could barely operate a cell phone And now, I was trading in my board shorts for a suit and tie in a sales role. Selling something I knew nothing about. Sure, it was overwhelming, but I've dealt with lots of overwhelming situations in my past. And I was ready to learn. I was ready to adjust. And as always, I was ready to pivot. When I got that piece of paper on graduation day, I thought for sure having a degree in finance and business admin would change everything. I earned this, I thought. I was told I would never go to college, and now I was holding a dual major degree. Why did I feel nothing? Why did I feel no emotion? Sure, I was proud of myself, and I was slightly satisfied, but in my mind, I kept thinking, what's next? What's next? Being 5,000 feet in the air in a helicopter, you see the entire world from a smaller lens. You look down in the world. You look down at the farms. look down at the people. Look down on ownership, and a lot of times, you have time to reflect on yourself. This entire time after graduation was spent in reflection, and lots of times, I had no idea what the next step would be, but all I knew is I had to be ready for it, and the only way to be ready was to prepare. I downloaded every single Audible on selling. I interviewed people in sales that were good at it. I studied. I practiced my pitch. I studied tech. And three weeks later, I started my long, 24-hour drive to Texas. U-Haul strapped behind me, dog and cat in the back seat, a 12-pack of Red Bull. I was ready to go, ready for the next step. Because you know what they say, everything is bigger in Texas, even the women. Chapter 11. Everything is bigger in Texas, even the women. I miss the country. I missed the guns, I missed nature, I missed the outdoors, and Texas gave it back to me. I moved into my new apartment, and I found myself in the same routine again, up at 5am, eggs, running, showered, ready to go by 7am, in the office. But little did I know, I was confined to a cubicle, making cold calls, learning, training. Sure it sucked, but I was embracing the suck, I loved the new change, And plus, I loved learning. And I had to. I moved my entire life from California to a brand new state. The Tejas, Texas. Where I knew nobody. I had no friends. Sure, I wore a suit and blended in. But I needed to meet people. I had to meet a new group of guys. Guys I could grow with, mentally and physically. So I opened up. Finally, I had a nice little click. And finally, I was crushing it crushing it in my job, crushing it at the gym, and then the pandemic happened. Once again, I was stuck in my room looking at a computer screen. Is this it? I thought to myself. Tons of cold calls, tons of no's, a few yeses. But I was thankful, super thankful for my resources, my managers and friends that helped push me past it. I remembered back in the Navy when I sucked at fixing helicopters. It took years to become a master of my craft. I knew in sales it would take a long time to become a master, so I kept working at it. I kept pushing through. I kept studying, developing my pitch, and eventually I landed a huge account, an airline company. I was the first person in the entire program to land an account this big. Me, the locker boy, scared shitless. And if it wasn't for the support of my entire team, I probably would have quit. I thought to myself, this isn't for me. I looked in the mirror a few times. I thought about just quitting the entire program, driving back to California, doing something different, but I couldn't give up. My end goal was Florida, and I had to plant these seeds. I had to keep moving. I had to keep going forward. It's all I had left. I had the incredible opportunity to sit down on a fireside chat with the VP of my entire company and hear about her struggles, to hear about her adversity, to hear about her diverse background, to hear how she made it. To where she was at, and to hear how everything she went through made her who she was. It inspired me. So when the time came up to get promoted, and I got it, I chose Florida because I need to be back in the beach. I need the sand in my toes and the wind in my hair. I needed to change. And I was thankful. Thankful for the friends I made, the mistakes I made, the failures that I embraced, and learned from. It was time for Florida. It was time for the next chapter. It was time for me to become the best version of myself. So I packed up my shit, and I was back on the road. It was a new chapter, a new beginning, a new me. This was my time. Chapter 12, Darkness. With light comes darkness. In the Navy, I loved watching the ocean. Sometimes I'd just sit there for hours and watch the ocean watch how calm it was watch how destructive it could become like me and like most people we deal with emotions And whenever I saw the ocean go from calm to destructive back to calm I knew that's how life was Florida for me was supposed to be great I got a great new promotion more pay more responsibilities all my friends live down here Guys and gals I knew for 15, 20 years were surrounded by me. My circle of influence was awesome. Everybody in my circle was crushing it. I thought I was crushing it, but I was wrong. My new job had high expectations, high circumstances, and to be honest, I wasn't ready for it. Mentally, I was overworked. Overworked was an understatement. I... Haven't taken a vacation in almost a year. My weekends were spent hitting the books, listening to Audible, trying to learn my craft. I neglected my mental health, and for that, I had to pay my dues. I found out the hard way. I got fat. I was almost 15 pounds heavier than I've ever been. My numbers were shit. I wasn't hitting quota. Every day, I'd wake up and stare at my computer screen. Was this it? Was this why I moved to Florida? I wasn't happy. As a matter of fact, I was miserable. I was probably in the worst spot mentally that i have been into a long time. And on Veterans Day, after meeting a friend from dinner on the ride home, I broke down. I lost it. I pulled over to the side of the road. As the rain hit my windshield, the tears were hitting my face. I felt so lost, so trapped. I hated my job. I actually hated myself. I put myself in this situation. I wasn't doing this job for me. I wasn't wearing this suit for me. I wasn't doing anything for me. I was doing it for everybody else. I was doing it for LinkedIn credibility. I was doing this job just to make other people happy. And the person that wasn't happy was myself. And now it all came full circle. In tears, I called my mom. For the first time in my entire life, I opened up. Told her what I was feeling. Told her I didn't want to live. I didn't want to be here anymore. I was stuck. I left the military to pursue a bigger purpose. I went to college. I got the piece of paper. I got the job. I got the LinkedIn credit. And I wasn't happy. I felt so destructive. So trapped. I had nothing left anymore. But I thought back. I thought back to the Navy. where My friend took her life. I could never do that. I had too much to live for. I had too many things to do, things to create, people to impact. There's no way I could take my own life. I thought about it. I thought deep about it. I had a handful of pills and I flushed them immediately and developed a plan. I had to call a therapist. I had to get my mind right. So the next day, I went to the VA because I had to get my shit together. Thankfully, the therapist told me, this is pretty common. Lots of military people leave their service and get stuck in life, get stuck in a position, and think they have no exit. But if you're listening to this, there is an exit. Mental health is so important, and I challenge you, if you ever feel down to reach out to somebody who cares about you, just reach out. It takes one phone call. That phone call could change your entire life. Life's worth it. You're worth it. Sometimes all we need is an awakening. Chapter 13, The Awakening The next day, I called my boss and told him I was taking a leave of absence. He was super supportive and told me, Take all the time I need. I was so happy to have that support system. The next day, I started my first therapy appointment. To be honest, I felt like a pussy. I've always bottled up my emotions. Usually, I'd hit the pavement or hit the sand and run through it, but this time I knew. I knew I needed help and I was so thankful to have the resources out there to do it. The biggest thing I learned from therapy was to accept emotions, accept that shit happens, acknowledge those emotions. You can't bottle them up. I've been bottling up emotions for so long till I felt like the kid that was trapped in the locker. I was constantly hitting my head against the wall figuring out why am i here what is my purpose when the only purpose i had to realize that was important was just to breathe just to relax just accept things for what they are and learn how to adapt how to pivot how to overcome life was too short for me to live anymore and this was why i chose to create cr3 i needed structure i needed a baseline i needed three fundamentals to make my life worth living again so i chose health wealth, and the pursuit of happiness. This is CR3. I hope it brings value to you as it brought value to me. Stay tuned. Let's dive deep into what CR3 really is. Chapter 14, CR3. When I first decided to come up with a podcast, I knew that I had to provide value. But what value could I provide, right? I don't have a fancy Lamborghini or a fancy job right now. I don't have a million dollar house or a mastermind who would listen to me, but I realized that was my biggest downfall. I needed just to start, start putting content out there, start interviewing interesting people, start sharing my story. That's the whole reason why I created CR3 in the first place. I love health. I love chasing financial freedom and I love the pursuit of happiness. So let's break these three down. Let's break down what CR3 is, what it means to you, and how, maybe, just maybe, it could change your life. Health. Health, to me, has two components. Sure, it has a physical component. Are you exercising? Are you counting your macros? Are you counting your steps? Are you growing? Are you getting faster and stronger every single day? Are you tracking your progress? But also, health, to me, is mental health. Are you aware of your emotional intelligence? Do you even know what emotional intelligence is? Are you developing your self-awareness, social skills? Do you have motivation? Do you have empathy? Do you have self-regulation? This is why health was the backbone of what CR3 is. I wanna chase all these things and I think you should chase all these things too. And you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to be the best version of you, mentally and physically. It is so important to chase the better improvement to the chase the better version, to never be satisfied. And this leads me to the next part of the component of CR3. Wealth. What is wealth to you? What is wealth to me? To me, there's two components to wealth. Sure, wealth has to do with money, but how about spiritual wealth? How are you going spiritually? Are you going with God? Are you a Mormon? Are you a Muslim? Do you not believe in God? Do you believe in a higher self, a higher purpose? The key to me is unlocking every level of wealth, through personal wealth and through spiritual wealth. And through my stories, I hope to interview people on all different levels, from entrepreneurs to nine-to-fivers, musicians, doctors, architects, stay-at-home moms that have created multi-million dollar companies right from their home. Let's unlock the next level of CR3, and that is personal growth. The personal growth level is the most important growth to me. So let's dive deep. Let's dig deep. Let's be open. Let's be authentic. Let's get it. Personal growth to me deals with habits. How are your habits? Do you have good habits? Do you have bad habits? How are you taking action? How are you holding yourself accountable? I highly recommend you have an accountability buddy. Grab a whiteboard. Grab sticky notes. Put a note on the mirror. Write down your daily routine plan your day, make your day, make your day the best day possible. If you want to grow and grow your mind, grow your body and grow yourself, you need to, you have to start becoming more accountable. This is the only way to grow is by being accountable. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for following my stories. I hope you can relate to them. I hope you find value. And I hope you can become the best version of you. All you have to do is just start. Start now. Start today. Let's all get it. Let's all crush it. Let's go. This is the CR3 Experience. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. If you found any value from what I said or liked my stories, please like, subscribe, share. Give me a shout out. Give me a follow on IG at charlesrezak 3 Thanks for the love. Thanks for the support. I hope you crush the day and it doesn't crush you. Keep growing. Keep showing up. Let's all go, family. Let's go and get it.